Welcome to the Final Score Network and the Final Score Podcast, presented by Team Anders Realtors. I'm Andy. He's former D3 student athlete, two-year starter, consummate glue guy, and co-host... Ryan! Cam! Two-man monster flush! Off the inbound! Ryan Cam Slam Jam! Find us on Podbean, the Apple Podcast Store, Spotify, or anywhere you get your podcasts. Follow us on Twitter at TheFinalScore35. There is always plenty to run through, but before we get to it, a word from our presenting sponsor. Service from the heart to become your Realtors for Real Life is Team Anders Realtors' mission. Team Anders helps its clients find the home that best fits their needs and makes the process simple and fun along the way. Team Anders will be in close communication with you personally taking care of your real estate needs through technology, marketing, and advertising. They have served thousands of clients over 30 plus years in the Grand Rapids, Michigan area, and are here to serve you today. Learn more at teamanders.com. Man, a lot keeps happening in the wide world of sports these days. So much so that I'll try to cover a few quickly here in the intro, such as congrats to the Milwaukee Bucks on their NBA title, only took till mid-July, but we got it done. And how about Giannis with a 50-piece in the finale? Is that the greatest game-clinching performance ever? Maybe. I'd still go with rookie Magic Johnson filling in as a center for an injured Kareem Abdul-Jabbar in a clincher versus the 76ers back in his rookie season, 1980. And, oh, you know, just putting up 42 points, 15 boards, and 7 assists, a near triple-double. Closer to home, rumors are all over the board regarding what the Pistons will do with the number one pick this week, uh, tomorrow, Thursday in fact. The Tigers went and won six straight after the All-Star break, only to get swept by the Royals and lost again last night to the Twins, so they're 6-4 and in their last 10. Not bad, but still got our hopes up. The Olympics started and the swimming has been pretty much as advertised, I'd say. Shout out to the 17-year-old from Alaska that won last night kind of out of nowhere. That's what Olympics is about, the reaction of her classmates and her parents. That was really cool. Um, The rest of it, boring. Except maybe today, the drama around Simone Biles dropping out of the team portion of gymnastics and maybe the rest of the games due to mental sharpness issues. Can't say I really take issue with it. She didn't feel she gave the team its best shot to win. Although, with how hard her routines are, a bad day for her beats most. But still... Kudos for stepping back, but then staying super involved. And no, Simone, no one in their right mind will be mad or hold this against you here in the U.S. And if they are, they can take a hike with all the other people that we don't like that we'll be covering. I will be covering, especially in this podcast. Finally, NFL season, preseason starts this week. NIL is getting more and more ridiculous, as in how about the Bama QB, who hasn't even played, yet is getting close to a million dollars already in deals. That is just nuts. Trust me, the rich going to get richer without any boundaries there. But all that said, there's also plenty of other news to cover. So, Ryan, get us started with your take from the podium. Yep. Uh, Simone Biles, uh, hope you're doing all right. Um, mental health, big issue. Um, seen a bunch of athletes have that, that issue and cited that. So, hopefully, I uh, take care of yourself and get back to it. Um, appreciate your honesty and hope you are doing better here in the next coming weeks. But... I'll start uh, by talking about the NBA draft since we don't have a segment on it. Um, this, like we did for the NFL draft, we don't have a mock, so we're just going to 
go through, give a little sneak peek, and uh, give you some sleepers and whatnot, and then uh, be done real quick. So once again, Pistons are picking number one. They're on the clock, basically. Uh, they said they've got it down to three people. Evan Mobley, center from USC. Jalen Green from Team Ignite in the G League. Didn't play college last year. And then Cade Cunningham, who I believe and many believe to be the surefire number one pick who the Pistons should draft. I think that's who they're going to draft if they have a brain. Uh, says he loves Detroit. So hopefully the Pistons do it right and do that. Uh, but getting back to the draft, I think this draft is severely underrated. A lot of guys that could have really long NBA careers. No huge superstars, no Zion, no guy that jumps off the page like that. Um, or LeBron, or you know stuff like that. MJ, Kobe, Kyrie, none of that stuff. But definitely a lot of guys that can have longevity in this league. Um, really good ball players. I think there's a lot, a lot of guys that are going to get picked in the 20s and 30s that are going to be very, very valuable um, down the road um, in the in the NBA. Um, some guys that I think are sleepers. Ayo Desumu. Uh, he's projected anywhere from 18 to 35. Um, Obviously, was an All-American last year for Illinois. Had a great season. Dude all-guard. Um, yeah, I think he's great. Cam Thomas, uh, freshman from LSU, led the nation in scoring as a freshman. Uh, very hard to do, and he did it. High-volume shooter. They projected him to go to the Hawks. Um, that would make them scary. Um, if they do that, another guy, high-volume score and really good defender, going to be a 3 and D guy. Moses Moody from Arkansas led them in scoring. Um, really good defender, good two-way player, has a chance to be really good right away in the NBA. Trey Murphy from Virginia. Uh, Rice transfer was supposed to sit out last year but did not due to COVID, and now he's projected top 25 pick, which is pretty cool. Uh, another guy that I think could be really good in the league um, is Trey Mann from Florida, 6'5", 6'6", point guard, uh, big-time shot maker. Um, saw what he did in the NCAA tournament, made a buzzer beater against Virginia Tech. Uh, really good player, lead guard, will be really good. Then my last guy is Nishan Highland. They call him Bones. Really small guard. Was one of the, one of the na- nation's leading scorers last year as well for VCU. Uh, A10 player of the year. Small guard but can score, score, score. Uh, those are just a few guys that I believe will be really good. And another guy, Jason Preston from Ohio, we've talked about in the past. Um, didn't even make his high school team. Wasn't even recruited anywhere. And now he's going to get picked in the NBA draft, which is really cool. So, uh Looking forward to the draft, see how it shakes out. Should be really interesting uh, and fun to follow along. So uh, if you're looking for something to do Thursday night, I believe it starts at 8 on ESPN. So uh, watch that if you're interested. Let's just hope the Pistons don't blow it. And it'll be interesting to see what happens with uh, Henry, too. So rooting for him to land in a good spot and get a chance. All right, I'm going to take the podium and offer up a bit of a compliment sandwich. Something good up front and to end with, but mostly focused on the pickled, nasty-ass bologna in the middle. First, kudos to the swimmers and the gymnasts and the handful of others so far who are truly in Tokyo competing for greatness for Team USA. I emphasize team. Maybe it's because in these sports, so many are just teenagers. But thank you for having pride in the name on the front of the jersey or the swimsuit or the warm-up jacket. Because we sure as hell know that the USA women's soccer team does not have that. You got your comeuppance with that first game shutout by Sweden after you took a knee during the anthem to start the game. 44 game win streak going in? Gone. And that's called karma, ladies. You're there for the name on the front of the jersey, not to protest. You want to protest here in the U.S.? 
do it all you want. Nobody's going to pay attention to you. I'm not going to pay attention to you. Maybe that's why you're doing it over there. It's still classless BS. So get the hell off my squad if the Olympics is your platform. And not the same exactly, but talk about comeuppance. Need further proof that what they play in the NBA is not basketball? Look no further than a now 1-3 record for Team USA just before and now in the games. Most recently, unless they played today, the loss to France. Haven't seen anything the way of stupid protests from the fellas per se, but this notion that you're the best because you play it the best has been crushed. You don't play basketball, you play iso ball. Come on, Day-Day, rise up and get these dudes to actually care. You're the one guy on the team that I think could get the guys to rally. I'll end on a good note, just because I said I would. As outspoken and anti a lot of things the USA women's basketball players have been, polite applause that you have universally agreed that the Olympics is not the place to carry your grudge because, as Sue Bird put it, you're there for the name on the front of the jersey. Novel concept. Thank you, Sue. I have respect for that, unlike the soccer team, who I hope trips on its shoelaces and doesn't even meddle. All right, moving on to our tee-up of the week. Ryan will tell you who, what, and I will tell you why. Yep, this week's uh, we're going to tee up anything sports-related with COVID and all that stuff that's been going on. Um, big mess right now uh, with NFL, NCAA, you name it. And we're going to get to a little bit more of it, but specifically this is saying on the Olympics theme about the Olympics can someone tell me how John Rahm, who just had COVID five or six weeks ago and is now fully vaccinated, tested positive and can't play in the Olympics? Or how a vaccinated Bryson DeChambeau can't play because he tested positive? Either your vaccination is trash, you're manufacturing ways to keep this stranglehold on society, you want Hideki to have a shot at the title on his soil, or some combination of this. I'm freaking tired of it. Can someone get it a second time? I mean, sure, I guess. Obviously, they're saying that. But someone getting it a second time after getting a 95% effective poke? Those odds don't match up to me. So I say tee up anyone who gets, keeps getting in the way of life getting back to normal or anyone who won't admit what this so-called vaccine really is, a glorified flu shot. A vaccine means it goes away forever, at least in my mind, like polio. Stop ruining lives with your BS. And no, I'm not anti-vax. I'm anti-this BS. And this is a little bit hot off the presses and related, so I'm going to read it from a buddy who uh, has a good friend who's a doctor. I'm just going to read it to you. I'm not going to shout out who. Don't actually know who the doctor is, but here's word for word what he texted. He is not sick to the best of my knowledge. This is regarding John Rahm. You either believe he had the disease based on his prior test and that he's been vaccinated. Either or both has provided immunity. If he is truly infected again, then he has a horrible immune system and will ultimately die. We know that that's not likely the case. The reality is that using these tests for screening asymptomatic people will lead to a very high rate of false positive tests. The stats are complex, but that's what it says. Was the test repeated? Were different techniques compared, like antigen versus PCR? Did he show a bump in his IgM antibody levels indicative of an acute infection? We continue to give COVID magical qualities, and at this rate, we will never exit the pandemic. We should have switched to testing only symptomatic folks, treat if positive and sick, just like we do for all other diseases. One more example of a global absence of science. Kudos, bravo, I'm not a doctor, but I shared what a doctor said. I cannot say it better myself. 
enough with the BS. Let freaking Rom, let DeChambeau, let anybody who tests positive, especially if they've had it before, freaking play the game. All right. You can tell we got a little bit of passion going here today, and that's going to continue on when we get to one of our four downs. But first, a little thanks to JG for this topic shout-out on Twitter a couple weeks ago. Which Detroit sports team is doing a better job with its rebuild? Now, we all know, because we've talked about this, how far down the sewer all four Detroit sports teams have gone, particularly in the last, well, the Lions forever, last 50 years, but particularly really since the kind of the turn of the, the decade in the 2010 era. I mean, the Tigers were good into about 2014 or so, Red Wings a little bit before that, Pistons a little bit before that, but pretty much they've been garbage since. So I'm going to give you a quick brush by on what I think about the four, and then I'm going to give you um, my ranking in terms of who's closest to contending for the playoffs, then we'll get to Ryan's opinion. So in no particular order with my ranking, just how I kind of put down some notes. I will say this about the Red Wings. Stevie Y has a clear track record. If you don't believe me, look at the Tampa Bay Lightning. They've won back-to-back Stanley Cups. I believe that's they've actually won three in five or six years. That's a team that he built completely from the ashes, from the ground up. I have a lot of faith in him. The Red Wings had a very good draft by all standards. I don't necessarily follow hockey. I'm not that smart about hockey, except for I love it when the Red Wings are good. So I'm thinking, feeling pretty good about that. The Tigers, you know, they're doing pretty well. We've noticed how they've on a little bit of a slide, six and four now with a four-game losing streak after they won six. They lost four before the break, won six, and then lost four. So they're kind of a roller coaster ride, suck away from the Copa, that's for sure. Um, and, and they're really doing well despite a garbage general manager. And that's because AJ knows how to manage a club. I mean, case in point, they went out and picked a high school pitcher with the third pick in the draft. A high school pitcher. As my Uncle Tom said, there's a greater chance that he'll end up having Tommy John surgery than being a stud in the MLB. They need position players. They need hitters. They go out. They've got a lot of good young pitchers. They go out and they waste it on a guy like that. That's an example of maybe where we'll get to, I think, about the Tigers. Pistons, you know, they've got a chance to nail this draft, as Ryan talked about a little bit, and not pick another trash-ass French point guard who could have gotten, you know, who they could have gotten in the second round, another Darko. Let's hope they don't screw it up. I think they've they've got a good newer GM. It's his second year, came over from Oklahoma City. I, I feel at least somewhat confident in their ability there. And honestly, the Lions actually, uh, without tipping my hand completely, might be closest with how they've blown it all up just in the last really eight, nine months and are building it the right way from coaching staff to brand new front office and really bringing in guys that will buy into the way that they want to play the game. So the good news is I gave you a lot of positives there. I'm sure there's an undercurrent of negatives. Um, We'll see. The closest thing that we'll get to see is how do the Tigers finish out and how do the Lions start the season. Um, You know, I don't, in terms of contending for playoffs, and then we'll get some of Ryan's thoughts, boy, it's tough. Because, you know, you can catch kind of a flyer year and, and, and do well ahead of your time. I remember back in the 80s when the Pistons were building up uh, to what they were. They had a year, they were really probably like a year ahead where they made some noise. The Red Wings, when they were kind of rising up a little bit from the ashes, um, as Stevie Y grew in his career there, kind of the same thing. Lions you can always throw to the back of the pack. Um, so I'm going to, boy, it's it's tough for me. I think the closest to contending for playoffs 
this is with an if, but if the Tigers go out and get some decent guys in free agency, Ryan just mentioned to me maybe J, you know, JV and Max Scherzer to kind of bolster a young staff and bring them along just for a year or so. They go get another couple of hitters or something. I think the Tigers, because of what they can do in free agency and, and their farm system, which is right now the best rated in, in Major League Baseball, I think the Tigers are probably closest to contending because they're doing it kind of, sort of, in the Central this year with really guys I've never even heard of. Second for me, um, I I want to say Red Wings, but I think they're a little ways off yet because they're still kind of building it. I do I do think they're they're not too far away. But second for me, you might be surprised, is actually the Lions. Um, I'm drinking the Kool-Aid right now. I believe that Campbell and crew are going to do it right. They're going to get the guys that want to be in there and play football the right way. Um, if nothing else, they give us a little bit of hope with something brand new before we all get halfway through the season and want to blow it up. But I'm going to go on a limb and say the second closest to contending for a playoff spot are the Lions. NFL is one of those things where if you get a favorable schedule and things go your way injury-wise in your division and stuff, you could easily rise up. So I'm going to go Tigers, then Lions. Then I'm going to have to say at this point in time, i got to go Red Wings just because once they get there with Stevie Y, I think they're going to be a, a mainstay, and I think that they're going to win cups again. Pistons, it just a lot of it is, you know, predicated on how they do in the draft tomorrow. How do they do with the the couple of the good rookies they drafted this year? How do they continue to build around the team? Can they plug in some free agency? I don't think any of them is really that far away from the playoffs. I'll go out on a limb and say none of them. All of them have a shot to make the playoffs in the next three to five years for sure. But that's the order that I'm going to go with. So Ryan. You're arguably more into the Detroit pro sports teams than I am. Um, I was more at your age like you are now than I kind of figured out how it goes there. But what are your thoughts? Yeah, for sure. So uh, definitely uh, shout out to JG for this really cool topic. Uh, Fun to kind of dissect and dive into. But I'll start with the Red Wings. Uh, Like you said, uh, just had had a really good draft last week. We're graded really high uh, by experts. Got rave reviews, which is really good to see. Uh, Stevie Y, um, like you said, he knows how to build a contender, um, and I don't think that's going to be any different here with Detroit. Uh, he's he's making moves. Just got a goaltender from the from the Hurricanes that was really good, um, and then getting getting some other guys re-signed in free agency, um, picking up other guys. So looking really good. I think move, making moves by trading and picking up free agents. I think it's a way to contend right away. Um, what I've seen, uh, they, I think by 2024, the Red Wings are going to be a force to be reckoned with uh, back to probably their old ways um, of being contender for the Cup every year. But, um, you know, all you need is one good piece, and you could be looking at playoffs, and then you never know what happens in the playoffs. Uh, crazy things can happen. Um, and I think that could happen with the Red Wings. Um, going to the Detroit Pistons, staying in the Little Caesars. Um, number one pick tomorrow obviously helps, or on, on Thursday, I'm sorry, helps. Um, you know, I think if they get another free agent piece uh, that isn't washed up like they have in the last however many years, a lot, um, that they could be a contender um, to make the playoffs next year. Uh, they got to build around the young prospects like Sadiq Bay, hopefully Cade Cunningham, um, Isaiah Stewart, guys like that um, that that are going to be cornerstones of your franchise and um, play hard and they and they like each other. Um, seem to have good camaraderie there. But like I said, I think. Next year they could be a playoff team with Cade and then maybe one more free agent uh, splash, um, probably like a seven or eight seed, but still that's a start. And then after that, um, you know, just get keep adding on and 
see what happens. Could be a contender in the East, which would be really cool. Uh, get back to their old ways of when they had the bad boys, and then when I was younger, Rip, Tayshawn, Chauncey, Sheed, and Big Ben, uh, the glory days. Um, love love those teams, but if they could get back to even close to what that was, it'd be really cool for the Stones. Moving on to the Lions. Um, I just love Dan Campbell and Brad Holmes and the energy they're bringing to Detroit. Um, you know, I think I'm, I'm hoping that the Ram way is better than the Patriot way here. Um, you know, I think they've made it clear that they want to build this their way, uh, kind of tear it down. This year's going to be a struggle, probably win five games, six max. Um, it's not going to be a good season, so hold on unless they somehow get lucky. And Jared Goff is somehow the Messiah and he needed to get out of, out of LA. Um, but I, I, he's not the long-term solution to me. I think after this year, they'll have a high draft pick, get a quarterback there, um, which would be really helpful. Um, the offensive line, which has been the Lions' issue for how, so long, they finally have a good offensive line. They have key pieces to build around in DeAndre Swift, Penny Sewell, uh, TJ Hogginson, Frank Ragnow, Julian Okwara. I mean, they have guys that you can build around and add to. Um, and Just like every other team, you add a few free agent splashes, um, get some good guys in the draft that are ready to play right away, and you're, you're contending. And I think 2023 is the year uh, that the Lions need to be in the playoffs. I think this year they'll be average. Next year they should be better contending to at least be a wild card team. And then 2023 is going to be a year where they need to be um, contending for an NFC North uh, division title, which they haven't won since I don't even know uh, the last time they won one. But they're close. They're building it the right way, so hopefully this is the one. Um, get get them out of the out of the ground there. Um, then the Detroit Tigers, which I also believe is the team closest to being uh, playoff ready um, and ready to kind of get back to what we were doing about ten years ago. Um, this is a team full of young, young talented guys. Um, they're ready to explode. I think next year they're going to be a playoff team. Probably wild card. White Sox are really good, um, but. They have such good young pitching, get some really good hitting prospects coming up. Had just a lot of high, high draft picks due to poor play, which ends up being good. Like we said, Al Veal is not a good man or a good GM, but AJ Hinch is the real deal. Um, you can already see that they've already almost surpassed what they're projected in wins for this year, which is really good. Um, contending to get up a second in the AL Central, which is good to see, um, being competitive at least. Um, like we said about the other ones, you get free agency splash or two in the offseason, they get that, um, they could be really good. And, and they're getting these guys coming out through the farm system, number one farm system in baseball um, as of now with prospects and whatnot, pitching, hitting, you name it. Um, so that's really good to see. But I'll rank them. Uh, I think the Tigers are the closest to being really good than the Pistons, than the Lions, than the Red Wings. But the Red Wings uh, in a few years will be really good, I believe. Um, so that's what I've got for Detroit, uh, hopefully we can do this and uh, be relevant finally and maybe more than one sport at a time. Yeah, and again, shout out to JG. That's a great example of if you share a topic, which we got one today in uh, via text that we're going to cover probably next week or the week after, we will gladly cover it. Love it when you um, tell us what you want to hear. So uh, a reminder, shout out to do that. And it doesn't always have to be JG. It can be any of, any of the at least, you know, a couple dozen that we know listen all the time. And then, you know, our numbers are piling up pretty good with listens. So please follow us on Twitter and share your topic ideas because that's what this is all about.
telling you what you want to hear, or at least talking about what you want to hear, maybe not tell you what you want to hear. All right, second down, we're going to continue on our position previews. Ryan started this a couple weeks ago with Michigan State's running backs. Then we talked about uh, wide or quarterbacks and running backs, and we talked about wide receivers and tight ends. Um, this week, we're going to look at the trenches, and that is both the O-line and the D-line. As we have been, I'll let Ryan, who's been kind of doing the research and knows what's what, I'll let him uh, do most of the talking here. I'll chime in from the cheap seats, and uh, we'll go from there. Yeah, now, like you said, the trenches, um, the most important part of football. Uh, game is won at the line of scrimmage. Um, every time Michigan State's been successful um, in the last 10 years, they've had really good and solid offensive and defensive line play. Um, I don't think that stops now. Um, I'm going to start with the most important position group um, aside from the quarterback position, that's the offensive line, uh, one that has been an issue ever since the playoff year in 2015, been very shaky. Uh, some good games, some really, really bad games, injuries, uh, transfers, you name it. Uh, we need consistency here. Um, I think this group has a lot of potential. Coach Cap, Chris Kaplovit, um, offensive line coach, assistant head coach, he's known for turning around the offensive lines um, and making them really good. Uh, getting him to play to his his uh, level that he expects. And I think um, from year one to two, we're going to see a lot of big strides here. I'm going to name the guys who I believe are going to be the five starters, then name some other guys to watch um, at each position uh, on the line. Um, we'll start with left tackle, maybe the most important position in football aside from the quarterback. Um, and that's going to be fifth-year senior, number 76, A.J. Curry. Uh, started last year. He was banged up before last year, so he didn't play much. But last year was really steady. Uh, and he could have left but came back for his extra, I think just sixth year, actually. Um, like I said, he needs to stay healthy. Um, I think he can anchor the left side of the line with his line. He's 6'7", 315. Uh, he's got a good amount of experience. Um, and he was, I think he was honorable mention all Big Ten last year, maybe even. Um, I think if he... Uh, improves like he should. Uh, maybe he'll be second team or first team All Big Ten. That'd be really good to see. Um, but me, AJ, stay healthy, and he's he's gonna be a good player for us at left tackle. I yeah, believe fits um, the mold of uh, of how do you say Chris Klepovich or whatever Kapovich, yeah. Kapovich and uh, and Tuck. What they want? I mean, they want beasts on the offensive line, but not just fat guys. You know, athletic guys. That's what they had down in Georgia. Look at Georgia's offensive line year over year. I mean, they're among the biggest, and that's what Michigan State's heading towards. Love it, um, and do like the the experience that AJ's, AJ's got there too. Yeah, and going over left guard, uh, be his second two year two and a half of starting. Uh, it's junior number six seven G, JD Duclain. Uh, really, really solid player. Uh, not overly big like we were talking about. How they want the offensive line about six three, three hundred and ten pounds, uh, maybe even three twenty. Uh, but like I said, really solid. He's got two years of starting experience under his belt, um, so I think he could be really good, um, really strong. He's consistent. Um, he's a bruiser. Uh, he does the dirty work. This is a guy that I he could break out this year. Um, I think he's going to be really good. Uh, just need to stay healthy. He's, he was banged up a little bit last year and the year before, but uh, consistency and just making making sure he knows he's the guy at left guard. Not going to do this shuffle the deck bull crap that D'Antonio yeah, did. D'Antonio stretch. He he liked he liked to do that because he believed 
if he had eight or nine guys that could, he could plug in and they're ready. And, you know, there's something to be said for that. But I also like having clear-cut, we're not going to rotate you positions, we're not going to rotate and platoon guys necessarily. I mean, unless it's a situation where you can and it doesn't disrupt things. Definitely you want to get guys' experience if you can, but it's also key if you can keep the same five guys out there. I don't remember the last time Michigan State has started the same five offensive linemen across an entire season. Yeah, I, I think so, probably. I mean, even guys that you know were hurt at that time were playing through and they were just that cohesive and that good. And that's what Michigan State needs to get back to. Do they need depth? Yeah, sure, but... I don't want to see this, oh, it's so close that we can't really make a decision. That that was a downfall, I think, of the offensive line for the last several years. And really 2015 is the last time Michigan State just had a road grader unit, um, gave Connor Cook time, gave LJ Scott space, and they're critical. I said it a couple weeks ago, and Ryan's not done here yet with the offensive line, but this is the critical position on the Michigan State football team, the offensive line. They've got a quarterback, they've got great receivers, they've got great running backs, they've got a ton of depth at those positions even. But if the offensive line is below average again, Michigan State's going to struggle to move the ball and they're going to struggle to score and it's going to be a, a, a really hard-to-watch 6-6 six and six season or 5-7. and seven. If they are even just slightly above average, 7-5 and five is a kind of a no-brainer. And as they get better and better, I mean... A really good Michigan State offensive line this year with the other pieces could mean a surprise eight and four, nine and three t- type of team like Michigan State had back in what twenty seventeen, coming off their last losing season. So we'll see. But Ryan, go ahead and keep going. Yeah, ahead. absolutely agree with all that stuff. Uh, center number fifty nine, junior Nick Samick. This guy's got all conference potential written all over him. Been great in flashes. Um, he's the one that cleared the way for the. Game ceiling touchdown against Michigan with Connor Hayward on the screen pass. He just needs consistency. Um, but I think this guy, he's going to play a lot. Uh, he's going to be really good. Uh, right guard, redshirt senior, number 75, Kevin Jarvis. Uh, going back to his original position, uh, he's the best returning offensive lineman we have, in my opinion. Um, like I said, back to his natural position, played tackle a little bit because we needed him to. Yeah, the um, last couple of years, and yeah, really, I mean, out of position, he was still our best offensive line. He's a so guard. Put him um, at guard, and that's going to be a, make a big yeah, difference. Yeah, and he's he's got size. He's six six three thirty uh, as a guard. Came in at six four, so he's grown, I guess. Uh, he's going to make some noise. I think he's going to be really good. Um, then the last guy who I believe is going to start that's senior right tackle number seventy nine, Jarrett Horst. Uh, transferred from Arkansas State, he's from Wisconsin, big boy, um, had offers to go to like Oklahoma and Texas and a, a bunch of SEC schools and picked Michigan State. Um, he's a preseason Outland Trophy watch list guy. Uh, it was named this morning. Uh, he's legit. Um, big. He's a bruiser. I mean, apparently he's living up to expectations from what I've heard and read uh, via Twitter and social media, different stuff. Um, he's he's going to be really good. Uh, he could also play left tackle, uh, which is where he played at Arkansas State. But he uh, he's going to be good. So keep your eye on him. Uh, he's six six as well. So we're pretty big on the offensive line. I think we go six seven, six four, six three, six four, six six, six six. So that's pretty big. Um, then I'll just name some other guys to watch. They'll play Matt Carrick. He's played a little bit. He's not great, but. Um, he's he has a lot of, a lot of experience. Plays guard, guard depth, yeah. number fifty six. Uh, he's a senior this year. James Ohanba, redshirt junior. He's like 
six four three forty or something, just huge, number seventy one. It's got to be a guard uh, at that weight. Guard, yep, yeah. he's he's pretty good. Yeah, he's, I think he's improved. Seen it on special teams a little bit. Uh, probably could get in uh, injury or rotations. Um, Work out that way. Um, guy to watch. Red, he'll be right tackle. Um, number fifty-eight, Spencer Brown, six-six, six-seven, three-twenty, big muscle guy. Redshirt sophomore. Uh, like I said, plays tackle. Uh, was a good basketball player in high school. Can move his feet. Uh, he's interesting prospect for us to watch. Uh, Luke Campbell, number sixty-two, I think, is six years. So another super senior offensive lineman can play guard or tackle. Uh, started at both. Been injured, so who knows if he'll be even ready to go or if he just. Coming back just for one last joyride, uh, Matt Allen, another super senior. Uh, last line of the Allen Bros, probably the worst of the three, uh, but nonetheless, he'll, has experience. He'll be a backup center for mm-hmm. us, number sixty-four. Um, yeah, if, if Samick were to get hurt or struggles, uh, he's he has de- uh, provides depth um, and he's not terrible. And then uh, Blake Buter, guard slash center, um, redshirt senior. He's played a little bit. He's average at best, but um, will provide depth there as well. Um, that's the offensive line, guys, to watch. Uh, a lot of really intriguing freshmen. Brandon Baldwin's one. He's a Juco transfer. He'll redshirt. Ethan Boyd, he's 6'8", 320. As a East freshman. Lansing, uh, came, enrolled early. He's going to be a beast uh, left tackle for us. Um, but those are some young guys that are really good. Move over to the defensive line, which I believe is the biggest – Easily the biggest strength defensively on this team. Um, some really, really good guys uh, that have come back and then transferred in. Um, guys that have been waiting in the wings that are ready to break out. Uh, start with defensive end. The three-headed monster uh, that I believe is going to be the main rotation and throwing a couple other guys I'll name. But Drew Beasley, who was all-conference last year. Um, super senior. Um, was at media days last week. Well-spoken. Um, he plays hard. He's a bruiser. Um, just he'll outwork you. He's, I think he's a, a walk-on. Mm-hmm. Um, another yep. one for Michigan State. I think he'd be really good. Continue off last year's success. Um, another guy, Jacob Ponishuk. He's a senior. Um, yeah, he, he, we've seen flashes him play really, really good football. Uh, last year he was, he was sick um, at the beginning of the year, so lost a lot of weight, so he was not himself um, at all. Gained all that weight back. He's looking good. Um, seeing good reviews about him from from workouts and whatnot, uh, which is good to see. Hopefully, he can be steady and uh, be good for us. Uh, the guy that transferred in from Duke, Drew Jordan, number two. Uh, he's a redshirt senior. Uh, played for I think he started and played for three or four years at Duke. Um, was really good. Um, he's he can play inside or out. Uh, he'll be a First, second, first and second down DN for us. Uh, like his potential a lot. He's a leader, um, strong, and just provides a lot of depth, which is always great uh, to have a guy that can come in and instantly impact. Uh, Big Mike Fletcher, number five, six six, long arms, redshirt sophomore. We've seen flashes of him, what he can do. Uh, hopefully, he can kind of be a third down slash hybrid guy that can rush the passer, get in there. He's athletic. We know that. Um, that's a guy to watch, I think, uh, for Michigan State. Uh, number 91, Jack Camper, another guy that provides depth. Um, has been a little banged up the last couple years, but uh, he's he's experienced, and he can get to the quarterback, former tight end. Uh, then number 26, Brandon Wright, former running back. He's moved over to DN. Pretty quick for a DN. Uh, he's another guy. He's a hybrid third down 
um, kind of guy. Um, he's like 6'3", 250, um, big, big running back turned the end uh, quick. So hopefully he can bring some bend to that position um, and, and be good for us, uh, like a lot of these guys. But looking forward to seeing those DNs play this year. Um, then D-tackle, which I think is the best part of our, our D-line, the interior. Um, start with the two guys who I think are going to start. Number 64, Jacob Slade. Uh, he's played a lot the last couple years. This year he's going to start and be a big-time player. He's big, takes up a lot of space. Um, technician, um, blows up plays. He's going to be really good and great starter for us. Uh, number 99, Jalen Hunt. Was originally committed to Iowa a few years ago. Flipped to Michigan State at the last second. Sat out. His freshman year redshirted. Last year got hurt, played a little bit, but was really good when he played. Um, yeah, this guy, he's got breakout star written all over him. Um, Naquan Jones type, uh, Raycon Williams type uh, guy for us. Uh, I think he's going to be a pleasant surprise for us. Uh, another guy that can break out, number 94, Deshaun Mallory. Uh, big boy, 6'4", 310. Um, yeah, this guy is just, he's, he's huge, takes up space. Uh, he's going to be really good. Simeon Barrow, redshirt freshman, number eight. Um, he's a guy that's gotten rave reviews as well from the coaching staff. Looking forward to seeing what he can do after not playing last year. He's 6'2", 285, uh, so he's a big dude. Um, another guy who I think is going to play a lot, Maverick Hansen, and that little four-man rotation, four- or five-man rotation there. Um, number 97, redshirt sophomore, former offensive lineman, 6'4", 315. Um, was a tackle coming out of high school. D'Antonio flipped into defensive tackle, and here he is. Uh, has a chance to be really good. Then some other names and name. Kyle King, redshirt last year from Indiana, could play a little bit. Uh, a couple freshmen that to keep an eye on for later. Derek Harmony, 6'5", 330 from Detroit. He'll redshirt, but has a chance to be really good. Tyson Watson, 6'6", 270 defensive tackle. So some big guys. Uh, looking forward to watching this. D-line play and wreak havoc. Um, we need to be solid defensively if we're going to be competitive, and I think it starts with these guys um, in the trenches. Yeah, this this group, the the DL position group under Burton has just been nails every year. I mean, they have depth, quality depth too, not just like, oh yeah, we can send in a guy. I mean, they've got a solid two guys deep, sometimes three, guys they can rotate in. Um and, you know, that's a position even more so than the O-line where you want to just see that freshness with the way they're they're battling four on five all the time. Um, I think that they're going to have to be the tone setters for a defense that's probably going to be pretty average overall by Michigan State standards. We might be surprised. There's so many new names at the next position group that we'll talk about next week, linebackers and D-backs. But um, I, I think they've got a chance to be special. You know, there's no – is there a, you know, Chase Young? No, but – are there guys like Kenny Willekes in there and, you know, um, some of the big, like Jarrell Worthy types and stuff of the past that have been just solid two, three-year players from Michigan State? Yes. Can they be good run stoppers? Yes. I think they ought to get a little bit better at getting to the quarterback um, to help out the the linebackers, especially in the 2-5 alignment, the linebackers and the D-backs. Um, but I like what I see here. I think it's probably, I mean, it's, it's hard to argue because they're, Running backs have good depth. The receivers have good depth. We have depth, you know, like we talked about, good depth at a lot of places, but arguably this is probably the most solid position that you can count on bar none going into the season. So 
it'll be really interesting to see what happens behind them and we will cover that next week and then we'll do one more week after that where we'll kind of brush it up cover special teams anything else and then we'll move more into to prediction season as we get into into the first second week of august so good stuff there ryan um getting excited michigan state football's only you said 38, 38 days away days. um college football's less than that away uh it's it's a fun time of the year. We don't want to wish summer away by, by any stretch, but definitely looking forward to that. All right, third down. Um, well, we're going to get into a little bit of a... Uh, some of our listeners will like this because I love the rant on this. It's a little bit related to the tee-up section. Um, a little bit more of a, I guess you could say, so-called controversial topic. I just actually pulled up an article that we could discuss here too. But So for third down... I want to talk a little bit about the response and give our response to this BS NFL vaccination mandate. Um, you know, basically, I think if I have it right, Ryan, correct me if I'm wrong, players north of $14,000 a week, yeah, I don't know what the fine is, but anybody who tests positive for COVID who didn't have the vaccine is up for a fine, basically. Or breaks their... COVID or, policy. Or, or breaks the COVID yeah, like, policy or whatever that is. Um, are, are you serious, Roger Goodell? Are you really going to go down that path of communist China and Russia? Are you really going to tell your your employees that they have to do this or they can't play? I mean, really? How many NFL guys last year were deathly sick because of this? Uh, I just, I'm just blown away. Um and really kind of kudos to somebody who made a tough decision, and that was the Vikings, I think, O-line coach, who last week said, nope, I'm not going to do it. I quit. Um, you know, which begs the question, if your employer or somebody told you you had to get the vaccine and show proof of it to be able to work, would you do it? I don't know. I don't know. I mean, if it really works, why is the CDC coming out today and telling people who are vaccinated you need to wear masks in certain situations? So how can you tell somebody to do something if you're not even sure 100% that it works? And, or we'll go back to what the doctor um, that I quoted earlier said, is the vaccine really probably does work. And, or if you've had it, you've got immunity to it, then we shouldn't be talking about masks and we shouldn't be talking about all these ridiculous and stupid protocols. So I have a real issue with anybody, sport or not, saying you have to do this to do this what happened to the fact that this is america and we have the freedom of choice you know like i said i'm not an anti-vaxxer i'm fully vaccinated but i don't choose to get the flu shot ever that's a risk i i take um it should be my choice to do this and it should absolutely 100 percent be these grown adults choice now you're paying them a lot of money that's on you that's on the nfl for skyrocketing salaries you want to balance that out fine Although, good luck in this time of inflation when certain groups think that, oh, inflation doesn't exist, says my $98 bill to fill up my truck for gas. Um, I just, I'm absolutely incredulous that the NFL would do this. I mean, it's it's funny because they want to go after people who protest and take a knee and, you know, they, they say supposedly they blackballed Colin Kaepernick from the league, you know, so on one hand, they're very much one way but on the other hand they're going to make people do this or or we're going to threaten you with fines i mean what kind of society do we live in now where that's what it's come down to is you have to get poked for something we're not even sure 100 percent fully works 
or that you won't have to get every year like a flu shot and you're going to make people do that. I I would not be surprised if a fair amount of players say not for me and they sit it out a year, you know, they say I'm going to take a medical, put me on the pup list or whatever. I think this could blow up in the NFL's face. They might think that they mean well. I'm not really sure what they're protecting um except for to maybe you know, show everybody else that they should get vaccinated. But again, you're at a threshold of people now who are choosing not to because of what they believe. And you're not going to change that unless you want to be socialist and force people to all think the same thing. And, you know, kind of related to that, I just saw it pop up is that this surprises me is that Chuck, Charles Barkley, says that the COVID-19 vaccine should be mandatory for NBA players. Again, I disagree. It shouldn't be mandatory for anybody. It should be a choice. Nobody, when I walk down the street, asked me, did you get the flu shot? Do you have the chickenpox virus? Have you been vaccinated against smallpox? Do you have the HPV virus vaccine? Nobody asks me that. So why is COVID any different? The numbers, I'm telling you, I'm sorry, they don't add up. They're overinflated. It's it's a bunch of smoke and scare tactics. Is it serious for some people? Yes. No question. Have some people died because of it? Yes. No question. But are the numbers overinflated because of asymptomatic positives? And people who really died from other things but are getting labeled as COVID deaths? Hell yes, absolutely. So you can whine at me from both sides, you know, from your side of the fence that, oh, you don't know what you're doing. I'm telling you, look at the numbers and death rates and things like that, and stuff doesn't add up. America, it's time to wake up, take your heads out of your asses, and think for yourself. And NFL, it's time for you to stay that out of this. This is not your choice. This is a personal choice. My body, my choice, to use a, a popular phrase, Stay out of it. You're wasting your time. You're pissing me off. And you're going to piss off a lot of your fans who are just going to say, you know what? I'm not going to show up and pay your $90 for your tickets. I'm not going to pay attention on TV. And your revenue is going to go down the toilet. And I'm going to say, I told you so. Ryan, any thoughts on that? Yeah, echo everything you said. The thing that I just don't don't quite understand about it is that how these guys that won't get vaccinated can get fined for getting COVID or breaking the policies, but these guys that are vaccinated could get COVID or be doing the same things and won't get in trouble um, and could end up spreading. I don't really get that, but, you know, that's what, what's to get. Um, None of this not, has made sense for a over a year and a half. A lot of things don't make sense. Uh, I, I thought we were heading in the right direction with this. Um, obviously not. Um, just tough to see um, as – Someone who tries to be an optimist, uh, especially who someone who loves sports and wants to see fans in the stands, seasons normal, um, just not good. I just think this is absurd. Um, it's a choice, uh, makes zero sense. But I'm not the one to make sense of it. We just we're just here to talk about it. And so it's absurd to me that you have to watch the Olympics and the joy that the um, the girl Lydia Jacoby, I think was her name, the 17 year old who won the. 100 breaststroke for the U.S. yesterday. All those people, not all of her classmates, obviously, would have been in Tokyo, but those people that would have been there going crazy for her. Now, it's not to take away from her gold medal, but she didn't have any of that experience. And I'm telling you, it's because the wrong people are not even using science to make the right decisions. And if, if you believe that, then stand up against it so we can end this garbage. And that includes leagues, NCAA, anybody telling anybody what they have to do when it comes to their health, period. 
All right, fourth down. On a little bit more of a fun and not as controversial note. Controversial maybe for the teams that are involved in this, but certainly not from a political standpoint. Fourth down, conference realignment. So our listeners will remember back on May 19th, so just a couple of months ago, we spent a fair amount of time. I especially like digested it and who I was moving where. And I was creating six 10-team conferences with a plan for kind of a flex conference where 10 teams could move up, you know, you could move teams in and out of that sixth conference, so to speak, going back to regionalization, going back to regional rivalries, um, keeping things intact, going back to things novel like the Big Ten having 10 teams, Um, maybe not University of Chicago like it originally did, but 10 teams. So clearly that was on our mind then, and wow, how it exploded since the last time we talked on the podcast. Uh, At their... Big 12 media days, SEC media days, one or the other, maybe both. Oklahoma and Texas were pretty clear that they were flirting, and it's gone from full-out flirting to they today put the Big 12 on notice to say, we are not re-signing with you in 2025. And the SEC has said, yes, they have asked for an invitation. And the SEC, frankly, would be crazy not to take them. Now, Texas A&M, Crimea River, you wanted to get away from Texas, you're going to whine, sue, blah, blah, whatever. Then, you know what, come to the Big 10 then, I guess. Um, the 16-team SEC, you call it a super conference, call it what you want. But I think what this really is indicative of is instead of my approach, which I thought was good because it brought a little bit of balance in terms of you had six leagues, everybody played all the teams in their league once, so you played nine league games. I thought that was a good approach. Not sure how they'll do it with 16. You're going to have four-year players, even five-year players, that don't play all the teams in, in a 16-team conference. But... I think what we're seeing quickly is that we're going to be moving probably to four 16-team super conferences, um, you know, which means obviously the Big Ten, who's already at 14, also could add two. Um, it means the Pac-12 could add four um, or could somehow combine things in places. Um, I've seen lots of crazy ideas. I've seen kind of quote-unquote safe ideas, you know, West Virginia to the ACC, you know, split up, kind of divvy up the Big 12 or save the Big 12 with some of the other teams like the the Houstons and the Memphises and things like that. Maybe pull a Colorado out of the Pac-12. You know, there's going to there's gonna be jockeying. 100% there's going to be. So my big question, and I'd love to get your idea too, Ryan, is where is the Big 10 going to go? So we know that they want, it's not, the, I don't, maybe it's the same AAU in terms of the what it means acronym-wise um, as basketball, but the American Athletic Union, I think that is what it is. There's a particular or academic... Something, to do with, something yeah. like that. It's, it has to do with academics. Big Ten are AAU schools. The only two schools in the Big 12 that are in play because they're AAU are Kansas and Iowa State. So the question, do you just grab those two and call it good? Kansas obviously has a lot of cachet in basketball that we've talked about recently on the podcast, so they've who knows what's going to happen with them with some of the stuff that's been uncovered in the scheme. Their football team is, think, think 1980s, early 80s Northwestern bad and magnify that by a thousand times. I mean, they are that awful. And not just for the last couple of years, for like a decade. So you're not going to get any real thing. Media, you're Kansas. Okay, it's, got a, it's a border state with Nebraska. You're not going to get much in the way of media, but they fit academically. Iowa State... Pretty competitive in basketball, usually 
Um, football there, obviously, they've been on the rise. Natural rivalry with Iowa. Um, an AAU school, I could see it. One argument I saw that I really, really liked, and it goes away from 16 teams and actually goes to 20 teams. And I think it was four five-team pods or like sub-mini-conferences or divisions. And that was keeping the current 14 and actually expanding west and grabbing six Pac-12 teams. Think about that. You're going to spread your footprint all the way to the west coast. Those teams are the AAU schools in the Pac-12, I believe, if I have this right, were Oregon, Washington, UCLA, and USC. Hello, all four very good and competitive in both major sports. Um, sometimes they have their cycles or whatever, fine. The other two, while not AAU schools, um, I don't think the Big Ten would frown academically upon them, Cal and Stanford. Go grab those six teams on top of the 14 you have and figure out a way to do the divisions. Yes, I get you got travel, but I mean, come on. With budgets these days and what you're getting out of TV, what the Big Ten would get, remember, the SEC wants to go to 16 teams and add Oklahoma and Texas. The Big Ten still makes more TV money and off-sport money than the SEC. Partially because basketball in the Big Ten is way better than basketball in the SEC. But if you think about that, and the Big Ten wants to maintain that, the question is, is does the commissioner have the balls to do that? I think Jim Delaney would have had the balls to do that and figure out a way to make it work. I don't know that he does. All I know is it's going to be crazy between now and 2025, the rampant speculation. We know Oklahoma and Texas, where they're going. What we don't know is what's going to happen with Baylor, Oklahoma State, Kansas, Kansas State, Iowa State, so on and so forth. Um, Our team's going to leave conferences again, or is there going to be a marriage of other conferences? I mean, it makes your head spin, but it's actually a lot more fun to think about and watch and read about than this COVID BS that continues to plague us. No pun intended. So, Ryan, what are your thoughts on um, conference realignment and how that's really blown up in the last week? Yeah, you basically said it without saying the word that I, I, I've i been calling it since um, this came out last week, and that's college sports is now the wild, wild west. Um, NIL, this, I mean, it's nuts. It's, Blow your mind. It's never going to be the same, um, and I don't know if it's for the best, um, but... Yeah, it's 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 what's going to happen. We kind of got to, as as sports fans, uh, especially us who are big college sports fans, we kind of got to face the reality and kind of think through what could happen and kind of accept it. Um, I think the Big Twelve is going to be no longer um, after twenty twenty five when Texas and Oklahoma leave. Two of the founding members actually of the conference. Well, what was the SWC and then it was the Big Eight and then yep yep the Big Twelve, which is crazy. Um, but yeah, I, I don't think the Big Twelve will exist unless they dip into some some AAC schools like Houston, SMU, Cincinnati. I mm-hmm. I don't know, but um, it's not looking good for them. Uh, I think that we're going to end up having four sixteen team conferences. SEC Big Ten will be the Big 16 or something, Pac-16, and then miscellaneous, whatever you want to call it. A- ACC. Yeah, ACC, ACC, I guess. Yeah, so I I don't know. I just don't get it. And there's um, pitfalls. Like the WAC, I think a few I read, if I remember correctly, too, the WAC had 16 teams once, and that quickly kind of frittered. I mean, 
it's hard to kind of pay equal attention to all the teams that way and give everybody equal footing. You know, it sounds great on paper for the SEC. Yeah, you're adding two more football powerhouses and two more pretty good basketball programs too. Um, How's it all work out schedule-wise? I mean, the SEC already only plays eight conference games, so you're only seeing half the league. Uh, you know, unless you get into rotations, but then you're going to look at, you're going to protect rivalries. Are you going to all of a sudden not have Alabama and Auburn play every year? I mean, the good news is you'd have Texas, Texas A&M playing again every year, which was something I remember as a kid, Thanksgiving night, after watching the Lions and after watching the Cowboys, there wasn't a third NFL game. It was Texas, Texas A&M, which was a pretty sweet rivalry. Um, I, I'm with Ryan. I It's sad for me, especially because I really grew up with it, to know that some of these things, and even... You know, things that Big Ten fans and Pac-12 fans hang on to, which is like the Rose Bowl affiliation. Everybody else, nobody cares because they're not a Big Ten or a Pac-12 fan. But if you are if you grew up in that, you understand what it means to do that and what it means to be able to go to that game. You know, a lot of those traditions are going to be out the window. And we already have NIL on top of it, guys making millions of dollars before they're even playing. I, I mean, it is... And, and even the NCAA and Emmerich saying recently that the NCAA should now decentralize and the conferences should have the power. I mean, boy, are they going to have the power? And boy, so does ESPN because ESPN's getting the SEC in full here in a year or so. Imagine grabbing Oklahoma and Texas. Nobody's going to want the Big 12. I'm guessing Fox is going to be all over and exclusive with the Big 10. Um, where does CBS come into play? It's going to be nuts to watch. It's kind of fun. It's kind of interesting. Um, but at the same time, kind of sad too. So, that's it for fourth down. Um, more on that, I'm sure, going forward. And maybe we'll, we'll revisit our original 519 podcast and come at you with four 16 teams. Oh, one other wild card is Notre Dame. Obviously, that's the team I would like to have the Big Ten take. They maintain that they want to keep their independence. My question is, how can they not be forced into a conference if this is what happens? If we go to four 16-team conferences... I don't think the rest of the NCAA is going to let Notre Dame ride as an independent. I really don't. They kind of affiliated because of COVID with ACC last year. That's probably where they would go. That would be my number one choice to put in the Big Ten. I think they're too afraid because in football, to have to compete against Penn State, Ohio State, Michigan, Wisconsin, Michigan State, Iowa, year over year over year over year, as opposed to one of those schools once in a while, Versus the ACC, which is pretty much garbage aside from the top two or three teams in reality. Of course they want to go to the ACC because they want a better shot at the playoffs. So we shall see. All right. Let's end as we always do with a sprint. Ryan, who is the most important player on the MSU offense this season? You go with a lot of guys here, um, but I'm going to go with whoever the quarterback that's, is going to be, whether it be Anthony Russo or uh, Peyton Thorne. And Tuck is saying that they will definitely decide that in the camp, but well before the first game. Two, NFL preseason games. You watching them or nah? You know what? I, I normally wouldn't, but I think I'm going to watch the first half of some games because I need sports. I need non-baseball. <laughs> Hear that. All right, a little fun one. In honor of the recent 41st anniversary of the Caddyshack release, who is your favorite character in the movie? It's got to be Al Trevick. He's, uh, he's the best. All right, staying on that theme, 
What's your favorite quote from the movie? Yeah, Judd Smale says, uh, in the scene with Ty Webb, he says, uh, so uh, what's your handicap? He says, oh, I don't, I don't keep score. He says, how do you measure yourself against other golfers? By height. That's a classic. That is probably the most quotable movie of all time anyway. I'm going to throw you a little curve. We're going to do a bonus down and back for a fifth spot. Who are you rooting for in Olympics golf? Yeah, a, a guy that, a non-American that I want to see break through. Um, it's Rory because he's faced a lot of demons. And um, I think it would just be good for his career um, and for golf in general. Good. All right. For me, most important player on the MSU offense this season, uh, like Ryan, I mean, you could go a lot of different ways. I'm going to go A.J. Curry. I think he needs to set the tone on the line. It's going to be critical. He's protecting the blind spot. He's my guy. NFL preseason games, uh, eh, if I'm bored enough, maybe, you know, after the Olympics gets done, and especially swimming, because that's really the one thing I do watch, eh, maybe. Um, my favorite Caddyshack character, i got to agree with Al Chervik. Um, i got to... I do have to say, shout out to my boy Cuz, who has watched Caddyshack. I don't even know how many times he's watched it, but he's watched it with a focus on each of the main characters. So, watched it only for Judge Smales. Watched it only for Al Chervik. Watched it only for Ty Webb. Brilliant. Get a good sketch of the characters, the characters in that movie. For a movie that was a dud at the box office, just an absolute classic, especially if you're a golf fan. Um, Staying on the theme... Favorite quote, I got to go with Al here. Whoa, did somebody step on a duck? He also has a lot of great quotes in the movie. And for my bonus down and back, you know, it's no secret I always pick Xander Schauffele in my uh, my majors picks. I wouldn't mind seeing him do well. I have a hunch that Hideki might win this. It's kind of his home course. He's won it there a little bit. But I got to say, I would never usually say this. I'm kind of rooting for the two dudes from Korea to medal because... This is how crazy it is. If they medal, they don't have to do mandatory military service for South Korea. I mean, talk about pressure. You want to win a medal so you don't have to go put your life on the line for whatever's going on in your country at that point in time. That, to me, is nuts. So I'm pulling for those guys maybe to get uh, silver and bronze so they can avoid the military um, where it's not a choice. No offense to the military because obviously I love my military here in the U.S., all right, Ryan, hit us with some final social media reminders. Yeah, just uh, follow us on Twitter at the Final Score 35. Uh, do what JG did and send us uh, a tweet or uh, something you find online or an idea. Uh, we'd love to do that, uh, especially here with college football, maybe, or NFL. Send us something with that. Also, open to anything else. So uh, keep sharing. Yeah, obviously, as you saw, one of those topics, and we're well over an hour today, which is rare for us. I also got on my my uh, soapbox and ranted a little bit so for those few that really like that hope you enjoyed that um that's it for this week as ryan said again share your ideas your likes your dislikes etc via our twitter and if you have a hot topic for us to debate absolutely let us know we're creeping closer to college football we're talking some teams might have reported this week that are playing week zero the olympics will be winding down the nba draft will be behind us and preseason nfl will have started we might have to introduce a two-minute drill to catch extra topics and at least just breeze by them because there's a lot coming up, which is great. Thank you again to Team Anders Realtors, our presenting sponsor. Learn more about how Team Anders can help you with your realty needs at teamanders.com. Meantime, remember, I've sentenced boys younger than you to the gas chamber. Didn't want to do it. I felt I owed it to them. 